Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Mount versus Plain when it comes to the great sermons of Jesus. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, Mount versus Plain. If you cast your mind back a few weeks ago when we were talking Indeed. about the Beatitudes of Matthew versus Luke, mm-hmm. we mentioned that one was done as the Sermon on the Mountain and the other one was done as a Sermon on the Plain. So this week we decided to go back and talk a little bit more about what that difference actually means. Yes. So let me start by asking if one you think is more known than the other. I guess I'm asking because I think of the Sermon on the Mount far more than I ever thought about a Sermon on the Plain. I agree. I think the Sermon on the Mount, which if you think of Mount as Matthew, you can keep the M's together. Okay. They go together. So the Sermon on the Mount is the Matthew version. And that is the one that most people think about when they think of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful. And that I think is the more commonly discussed, more frequently known version of the Beatitudes, for sure. What we're talking about here is the location of these, where the setting of the sermon is. We've talked about the content. If you're just joining us or if you haven't heard these other couple of podcasts, you can go to our website and find it or go to our previous podcasts on your favorite streaming platform and find the commentary on kind of the content of what Jesus is saying in each of these two and comparing them and contrasting them to each other. But this is really about the location site and what the locations of both amount this idea of a hillside and Jesus speaking on the top of a hillside versus Luke's Beatitudes are set on a plain where people come and they find Jesus on this level plain. And what that does when we think about how these things might be received, the kind of structure of that, all that kind of stuff. So that's what we're talking about today. When you look at the rest of the gospel of either Matthew or Luke, does it make sense why one would have set it on a mountain and one on a plane? Does that sort of follow the understanding, theology, and meaning behind the rest of the gospel, or is it just circumstantial? I think it helped me actually understand the inherent traits of each gospel more once I finally keyed into this. Okay. And it was kind of paying attention to this that finally helped me lock in to the differences between these two Gospels. So particularly the Gospel of Luke and the Sermon on the Plain. And so it goes back for me where this locked in for me was, I forget which set of protesting it was. Gosh, we've seen a lot of protests. We certainly have recently, and I'd say in the last decade, but there was one set of particular protests where they were using the human microphone technique quite a bit. Okay. What's the human microphone technique? This is the technique where you have the speaker 
who is at the front of the crowd in the midst of the crowd who says something and then the crowd echoes it back. Okay. And the crowd beyond them echoes it back and then the crowd beyond them echoes it back so that the words, you don't have an amplifier, you don't have a microphone or a megaphone or a bullhorn, but the crowd itself becomes the amplifier. And so the playing field, the field upon which you are is level. Mm -hmm. It's not that you're in an amphitheater, you're not anywhere where there's a large kind of situation where the, mm, where the acoustics are doing the work for you. Okay. You don't have any tools that are doing the work for you, but you have your community that is doing the work with you. And so as a leader, as a speaker, you have to learn how to teach and work in this rhythm mm -hmm. where you give a sentence and the community speaks it back to you and amplifies it so that everyone can hear. And then you speak the next one and everyone amplifies so everyone can hear. And it goes back and forth. And it's this beautiful exchange mm -hmm. where the community becomes the amplifier. And for me, recognizing that the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is using a situation where there would be like a natural amphitheater where you would be able to see his face, his voice would carry out over the crowd. There would be pathways for vocal techniques, different things that you know and you learn how to do. But on the Sermon on the Plain, it's harder to be heard when people can't see your face, mm -hmm. when you're not taller than everyone or when you're not on a stage or raised on a platform or when your voice isn't going to carry literally physically above a crowd. It takes work to make certain. It takes the community working together to make certain a voice is heard when you're in a plain setting. So this absolutely translates then over to the basic ways in which those two gospels function. Matthew is very much a gospel writer who is trying to help a Jewish audience understand the authority of Christ and the ways in which Jesus is a descendant of a Davidic line and has a religious authority to be able to speak the way that he does. Luke is an organizing, rabble-rousing, rebellious kind of changing-the-world sort of gospel. Luke is the one with Mary's Magnificat. Luke is the one who teaches us about nonviolent reactions and nonviolent counter-protest, right? That's all coming out of Luke's gospel. So this idea of this use of a plain setting to teach us how to be people of God, it kind of solidified for me. Sure. What these different timbres were. I mean, that makes sense. I know this is something that we touched on in talking about the difference in the two Beatitudes that show up in the Gospels. And it's fascinating to me still that you get four versions of essentially Jesus's life and ministry, and mm -hmm. they all have very different flavors. And yet I still can't reconcile how to make them all work together because they seem to be so different. 
I understand why they're different. Mm -hmm. And yet I guess that's why they switch on a three-year cycle. So you kind of do have to see them all as a whole. Does that make sense? So you're not just stuck in Matthew where everything's legitimacy and rules and this is what this person needs to hear. Or you're not just stuck into the I am, you are, we are, can we, <laughs> let's all be together kind of hoodoo voodoo one. Right. Or the immediacy of Mark, right? Mm -hmm. It makes me think of we're in Oscar season, right? So everything, everywhere, all at once. It makes me think of like we are many things all the time. It's a multiverse of gospels. <laughs> <laughs> right, a multiverse of gospels. Jesus was fully human and so has many, many perspectives. Jesus is a rabbi and Jesus is a friend and Jesus was a son and Jesus was a carpenter. And right, there's all different kinds of perspectives to take a look at and understand any given individual. So the perspective of Jesus' story is going to be just as varied as any story that there is to tell. So we look at it from various perspectives in order to get a sense of the whole. Somewhere within all of the yes of all of this is what is true. Let me ask you this. Over the years that you have been reading these in church and preaching about them, mm -hmm. have you seen certain times when certain versions are easier to preach on than others? Or is it not as cyclical over the years? What a great question. I think what is easy to preach on? I, I, I think there are times when one, one gospel feels more relevant or one version feels more relevant or is more accessible than another version. Mm -hmm. I think that there are times when the Holy Spirit screams through one version or another of a gospel. I think there's also seasons in lives where one gospel can reach into a life in a way that is different than another gospel will reach into a life. So it all depends. I spent a lot of time, a lot of years really loving the gospel of Mark, just absolutely adoring its unendingness and just wanting to be in that for a decade more, maybe 15 years of just needing that story, that unfinished story to galvanize me into participating in the story in real ways in my own life, to not let it end in fear, to not let it end in this place of unknowing and, and fear. I think that in this time where I have seen so many, so many people rising up, so many people protesting, so many people fighting for rights, so many people asking for justice, so many people calling for healing, so many people fighting for their voice to be heard, that the gospel of Luke is speaking to me in passionate ways right now at this phase in my life. I don't know that it's easy to preach, but I think that it's calling out in certain ways that makes it relevant. But I don't know if, if it's ever easy. And the gospel of John it's never easy to preach because, I don't know, I haven't tried illegal substances. Maybe if I did, I would have an easier time with sure. the Gospel of John. 
but illicit substances may be necessary to truly understand the depth of that gospel. But being a rule follower, I don't know when, maybe in my 80s or 90s, I will have reached a level at which I can comprehend Mm -hmm. depths and levels of the gospel of John. So that's my long-winded answer. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you to sort of speculate on a similar twist on this question, because I don't think you have preached more than the Pacific Northwest or at least the West Coast. Correct. But could you imagine that location, like the Midwest, might hear one particular version of this gospel more easily than another? I think even congregation to congregation. Sure. Context always matters. And I have only served in the Pacific Northwest. God called me to this region for probably very good reasons. And I think even within the congregations, sometimes folks refer to them as purple congregations that are more blended. Central Lutheran is exceedingly progressive. Mm -hmm. We are very clear where we stand as a progressive congregation. My first two congregations are much more purple aligned much more in the middle. I would say that there was discomfort in having the Sermon on the Plain preached as a justice sermon rather than a comfort sermon. And the Sermon on the Mount was a much more comforting sermon to have preached Mm -hmm. because the Sermon on the Mount offers clear leadership and a blessing from on high, which oftentimes is a very comforting experience to receive. And these are not bad things. We often need these things. I will say that there are different contexts in which we find ourselves receiving more challenge now and less comforting sermons. Or perhaps I'm just in a phase where I'm doing fewer comforting sermons. Could be. Is this something that you covered at all in seminary, either just talking about the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain? It probably came up. I don't think I caught the nuance. Yeah. I think I was too young. I think I was too young to really understand and too young as a Christian, too young as a person of faith to catch the nuance. I don't think that my ears and heart and mind were ready to understand it all yet. And I think that maybe that's something important to say is that there are pieces to some of this where your heart will come open to understanding a piece of our story in time. And that's perfectly okay. That's part of the beauty of our scripture and our story is that we learn things as and when we should. We catch these nuances. The spirit whispers into our mind like, hey, did you notice? This is like the protesters on the street calling for justice. And you find that connection with your holy story and it will spark something that brings your faith back to life in a time when you need it. I didn't need it at that moment in my life. I probably wouldn't have understood it. I couldn't have understood it. I hadn't been a part of any movement like that in my lifetime. I was so much of a rule follower that I don't know that I ever would have imagined even understanding why a protest would happen. And so 
I don't know that I could have understood how much Jesus was a rule breaker Mm -hmm. to be able to see what kind of rules were being broken on the plane and even what rules were being broken on the mount, but much more obviously so on the plane. When you come to an understanding like that and you get to a text like this, are you just like super excited to break that nugget open for somebody else? Or is it frustrating when you can't make that connection for somebody else because sometimes they have to make it on their own? I get super excited. I get super nerdy, but then it often backfires on me because I get like, I can't always find the words or the way to describe it. Mm -hmm. That's when I get bumbly and just muttery and I don't articulate it the way that I want. And then it just gets funky and (laughs) so... It's always the most frustrating, the passages that I get the most excited about. Mm -hmm. I feel like I preach the worst sermons on because I have 18,000 things to say. Sure. Instead of having like a focused one thing to say. So I get this scattered brain, not scattered brain, but like this scattered, oh my gosh, and did you see this? And oh my gosh, did you see this over here? And this is so cool. And this is so cool. And oh, this is so cool. Like it doesn't get focused. And so I don't know whether or not I offer the best capacity to understand it. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And you just trust that the Spirit will do something good with it. Sure. Because if the Spirit didn't come in between the time I say something and someone else hears something, oh, I'd be toast. <laughs> Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Why do you think the Sermon on the Mount is pop culturally more mm. well-known than the Sermon on the Plain? Mm, what a great question. I think because there's more of the phrases and they are, huh, because they're harder to understand, so we're able to make them more of what we want them to be. Okay. And because it's more picturesque to have Jesus up high and the people down low, it fits what we want more. We want God and Jesus and our leaders up high, and we want to be able to see them up high. And we want to be able to insert what we think things are. And blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. We want to see ourselves in those positions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that all of that lends itself to us preferring that one over a more challenging, we're on a level playing field. We are in it with God. We are co-conspirators. We are alongside and blessed are the poor and blessed are the hungry, and it gets real sticky in Luke's, and that one's a lot less comfortable. So Matthew's is is more comfortable, and so I think we like that better. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Sermon on the Mount versus the Sermon on the Plain. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and I hope that you all have learned something along this. If you have thoughts or questions or comments, 
feel free to reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. We would love to hear from you. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.